Good morning. Glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, as Alex said, we're wrapping up a, what's been a fun series, the Box Office Wisdom Series. We've been taking themes from movies that are out this summer and matching them up to the Bible, which is God's Word. And sort of the, the idea running through the whole series is that box office wisdom must match God's Word in order to be real. The movie theme that we're matching up today is a theme from Cowboys and Aliens. And when I was in graduate school and preparing for uh, what I do now, I, I never thought that Cowboys and Aliens would be in a sermon title. Never, never came to my mind. But here it is. It's in a sermon title that I'm doing today. Um, and I'd like to show you a quick featurette that gives you an idea what the movie's like and what it's about, and it's from the people who who produced it and put it together that, that sort of focuses on the theme and what flows through the movie. So here, here's the featurette. Is it demons? Why are you asking me? graphic novel of Cowboys and Aliens captured all of our imaginations. The thing that I kept wondering was, why hasn't anybody done anything like this before? It's everything I hoped for and beyond. The coolest version of the West meeting... They've got my son. My wife. They'll come back with more and there will be no survivors. In the West, people looked at each other sideways. They've got a bunch of people who don't like each other and ultimately have to come together to face a common enemy, otherwise they will all be extinct. It's cool to see characters who would have been shooting at one another a few days before are suddenly forced to try to survive together. You just have to work together. Come on! This great palette of characters to draw from and imagery but it's made a little bit fresher by the fact that you are now creating an effect show around the backdrop of a Western. As we film this town, I want to make sure that we take advantage of the environment. You want to use very classic Western images and backdrops, and you want to populate it with a cast that feels very authentic to it. There's a real exciting quality to Daniel Craig. He's a very intelligent, talented actor. And with Harrison Ford, as far as I'm concerned, for my generation, he's like John Wayne. come to believe that visitors from outer space had something to do with the building of the pyramids. And so it just seemed that if ancient Egyptians had had an interaction, why couldn't pioneers of the West? People are really thirsting for something new. You got to go bigger and better. We want to do something that exceeds the expectations of the audience. Say, this is what we're planning, folks. Get ready. I, uh, I, don't, don't you find it interesting that Steven Spielberg feels like he has to give justification for doing a movie with aliens and cowboys in it? Like, like it's real that they show up in modern day or in the future or whatever, you know. It's like we have to get our, the Egyptians, you know, could have, could have had some interactions, so here we are. It, it's, it, it is fun to watch because you realize John Wayne would be completely comfortable in that movie. But the plot, the, the plot that's kind of woven throughout the, the whole movie is that people from very different backgrounds and even opposing 
backgrounds come together to work together to, to save the world and therefore change its, its future destiny. So that's really what the, the theme of the movie is about. Uh, what, what brings them together is uh, the world is facing some real dangers. And this is a theme you see in a lot of movies. You know, there's, there's an impending threat. And uh, because of the threat, people set aside their differences and they pull together to make, to make whatever needs to happen happen. And this theme is, it goes through all these movies, and it resonates with us because there is something in us that wants to work together for the good of the world because we know it's spinning in the wrong direction. We know it is. We know it's spinning out. There's something in us that know, we know this. And so we want to pull together to really um, make a significant contribution to what's going on in the world, maybe turn the tide the other direction. And this is what God wants his people to do. Once you decide to follow Jesus, your entire life takes on a new purpose. You have meaning in what God wants us to do. And what he does is he invites you and I to be a part of what he's doing in the world, to change it, to fix it. Um, the life purpose for Jesus' followers is to partner with God and his people to change the world. That's, that's our life purpose. Those of us who have chosen to follow him and walk with him, this is what's important. In today's message, basically what we're going to do is look at how to join God in, in fulfilling his purpose. And we're going to start at the first place. The way we join God in doing our part to change the world is to let God change you and I, to let God change us. That's what we do. Um, my, my own story of coming to know Christ, God through Christ, uh, obviously, for me, it relates to my parents. My parents, they grew up with sort of religious backgrounds. Um, my, my dad's family, I think they went to church regularly. They were involved in, uh, they knew Christ and walked with him. But my mom's dad was a preacher's kid. He was a blacksmith in southeast Oklahoma, and he was a preacher's kid. And whenever my mom talked to him about church or going to church, he said, I've, I've, I've blacked the boot of the last preacher that I'm ever going to, to black. And that, in his language, meant he has shined the boots of the last traveling preacher that he's ever going to shine their boots for. He had, a, he had a resentful attitude toward the church, and so he didn't really want to have anything to do with it because I would imagine when his dad, the preacher, had visiting preachers come through town, he had to do a lot of stuff to, to make their stay comfortable. And he, he didn't like it. So he had an attitude toward church. So my mom's involvement in church growing up was kind of spotty. My, uh, my dad's was more real, but after they grew up as adults, they... They didn't really um, follow Christ. They weren't involved in church at all. But at 27, about 11 years before I came into the world, my mom committed her life to follow Christ through my grandmother that I never knew. I never knew that grandfather that was the blacksmith, and I never knew uh, the grandmother that helped my mom come to Christ. But my mom decided to follow Christ. They plugged into a church, and... That's why I was able, they're the reason, I, I grew up in a Christian home, I heard who Jesus was, I connected with him through their, their testimony to me, 
And I saw firsthand the benefits of connecting with Christ and living in an environment where he was the Lord. He was in charge of the environment. Um, I decided to put him at the core of my life. And when I did that, he began to change me. And it was through, through them and through the church they became involved in that I heard about him. And anyway, he began to change me. I was a selfish, hateful guy who turns my who 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 just turns my heart against people for no reason. When I before I came to know Christ, I you you would have hated me. If I honestly, if you had to interact with me, you really wouldn't have enjoyed me at all. And maybe you don't now. I don't know. You could tell me later. But but I, I was very spiteful, very hateful, and God has been changing my heart and turning it inside out to really care about other people. And that's what he does. Jesus Christ, connecting to him, is the key to changing the world. We get connected through other people. It's people who make the connection for us. But getting connected in a friendship with him changes our lives and continues to change it. After my father died a few years ago, we took a trip to Southgate, uh, my brother, my sister, and I, and with my mom in the car as well. And we, we were going on a trip down memory lane. We were going to have lunch at Lucky Boy, which is in Southgate on Firestone Boulevard. as my brother's favorite hamburger. It wasn't mine. I liked Why Not, but it's done. It's over. It died. So we were going to go to Lucky Boy. And uh, then we were going to drive down Firestone Boulevard, turn left on State Street, drive by the church building that we all grew up in that was a very important part of our lives. Then we were going to go down State to Tweedy, turn left. People used to cruise Tweedy, where I come from. We cruise Tweedy. But anyway, you go, we were going to go down Tweedy and turn left on Bowman Avenue and go to 9526 Bowman and see our old house that we grew up in. And... As we drove down Firestone Boulevard, went down the 710 freeway, drove down Firestone Boulevard, got to Lucky Boy, which was now a McDonald's. Okay, this is the first little piece of trauma that occurred in the car. Because we were all set. They do have fantastic onion rings. So I, I didn't get the onion rings. We didn't get lunch there. We were perplexed as to what to do about lunch then. Then we went down Firestone Boulevard, turned left on State Street, went by the church building, it's now an apartment complex. They tore it down and built an apartment complex. So this is not going as we planned. We're, <laughs> we're trying to figure this out. So went down Tweedy, turn left on Bowman, get the 9526 Bowman. It looks completely different. My sister starts crying in the back seat because they've, they've, there is no front yard that we used to play in. They bumped the living room out, and there are these Roman kinds of columns that used to be the front of our house. And my sister was having a moment. But, you know, I, I began to think, as I look back on that, and as I think about it in light of what we're talking about, my parents and the church I grew up in, the examples that were set for me, they were the ones who, who God used in my life to change me. It wasn't those buildings. It was the people inside of the buildings. Those buildings, kind of, we, we get attached to them because there's so many important things that happen inside of them. But the buildings are gone. The impact of the people who used to serve in that church, who used to set the example for me, 
who loved me even when I wasn't really very fun to be around. I, I think they had selective memory, you know, like moms. Moms have selective memory sometimes, like they forget how bratty the kid was. Well, after I decided to go into the ministry, th- this entire church, they, they forgot how horrible. Oh, Randy's great. You know, he's, a, he's an amazing guy. Well, not really. I was a, I was a turkey. Selective memory, some, something like that. But they loved me. In other words, they loved me for who I am. And it wasn't just their love. It was really the love of the Lord Jesus that I was sensing in that place. They set many, many examples for me of being just faithful to what God wanted them to do. And it was the people inside that church who served, who faithfully followed God that made a difference in me. Not that building. It was my parents coming to Christ, deciding to walk with him, deciding to live life from a different perspective and a different angle that really God used to change me. And this is the first step to being used by God to change the world. Let him change you. And let him keep changing you. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17 says, For Christ's love compels us. Once you experience his love, it compels us. It compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. and We don't look at people the way we used to. We look at people through God's eyes now. Everything's changed. We have a different perspective. And we see what's going on in our lives and in the people around us, those of us who have decided to follow Christ. He wants to shift our perspective completely to view people from a different light, the way he does. He loves and values everybody on the face of the earth, and he wants us to do the same. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view with the pettiness and the attitudes that we used to look at them with. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. More accurate translation of that last phrase, the old is gone, the new has come, is the old is going and the new is coming. That's the way it's written in the original Greek. And that's my experience. I, I was changed the day I decided to follow Christ. He, he entered my life, but he's still changing me. The old stuff is going away and the new stuff is coming in. The more I learn to walk with him, the more I learn to surrender my will to his will. He changes me. When we decide to follow Christ, he changes us. And our part in the the process is to surrender our own will to his and and let him do the work of change in us that he wants to do. This is how we join him in changing the world. So it's very important. There are a couple things. In letting God change you, there are a couple steps here that, that that are important at the very outset, at the beginning. It's like square one. Square one in working with God to change the world is to make sure that you receive the salvation that he's offering, that Jesus is offering. Because you can't give away what you don't have. You can't help people find what you haven't found. And so this is important. John 5.24 says, I tell you the truth. 
Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. I, I love this passage because it summarizes a lot of what Jesus said about eternal life in a very succinct form. He who believes in his word, who hears his word and believes him who sent me, believes God and what Jesus has done has crossed from death to life. That word believe doesn't have to do with mental assent, but it, it means that you put Jesus Christ, you trust him so much, you put your faith in him, you put him at the very core of your life and you allow him to lead you in the way that you handle every part of your life. He's not just a slice of the pie of your life. He is the very core. And I have an illustration on the board that shows how our life is made up of many different areas, our families, our career, maybe church life if you attend church, school if you go to school, community involvement, uh, what you do for fun, recreation, money, marriage, etc., and so on and so on. We start in life with self at the center, just like I did. Scripture says every one of us start with self at the center, calling the shots. To believe the way Jesus is talking about in this passage, it means to put Jesus at the very center and allow him to call the shots or lead you in the way that you handle every area of life. The moment that you decide to put Jesus at the core of your life doesn't mean that you have to clean up everything, doesn't mean that you have to already be doing that, you have to be perfect, but you decide to put him at the core of your life. Jesus, I've messed up. I've been wrong. I've been going my own way. I'm going to go your way. Would you take over and be the one who leads me now. I'm going to ask you to be the leader. The moment you do that, you have eternal life. You pass spiritually from death to life. And you have what you need to live on forever. You have what you need to change for the better. The Holy Spirit comes inside, God's Spirit, and he begins to lead you to, to change in these different areas. This is what it means to receive salvation. You put Jesus at the very core of your life. Right after we receive salvation, Jesus commands us to go public with baptism. And, and Alex mentioned uh, that we have a baptism coming up. So I want to take just a moment to explain the way we do it here and the significance of it. Baptism, the significance of baptism is it's a picture of what's happened in salvation. It's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it shows what has gone on in, in our own hearts as we've died to ourselves and been raised to new life in Christ as well. Jesus clearly commands his disciples to be baptized after they believe in the way that we were just talking about. And this became the pattern in his early followers. You see it in Acts 2. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the pattern all through the book of Acts. When one of the disciples who became the apostles, when, when, when they would speak and share about Christ and people would believe, then they would be baptized immediately. And this is how we practice baptism at CIV. The baptism we practice is called believer's baptism because once you believe, you follow up on that decision with a public declaration of your belief 
in Christ by being baptized. And it doesn't, it has no power. It's not essential to salvation, but it's important because what it does is it sets the tone for the way you're going to follow Christ from there on out. It sets a tone of obedience. Jesus, you asked me to do this. It doesn't really, it's the only place you're going to be baptized is in a church setting. It's kind of different than everything else that goes on in the world. And, you know, we, we take the time to fill up a, a small pool of water and people get into the pool and they get wet and you come out and your hair's a mess and, you know, your makeup's not, you know, all messed up. And, and it, it can be kind of embarrassing. It's, it's humbling. But it's a test. It's kind of one of the first tests that Jesus gives us. Are you really going to do what I'm asking you to do? Are you really going to step out and be willing to do whatever? It's a very, very meaningful ceremony. Very meaningful. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of celebration in it and a lot of power to it. Just as you take a step, just like any other step of obedience, there's this boost of power that God gives as you take that step. So Jesus wants us to get baptized right after we believe. We have one coming up, and if you need to be or have questions about it, let us know. It doesn't save you, but it's an important step of obedience that can set the tone for the rest of your walk with God. So the first question to answer, if we're going to join God in working together to change the world, is this. Have I received the salvation that Jesus has to offer? Have I opened up my life to God's love? Because if you haven't experienced his love, you really can't share it. You can't share what you don't have. You can't let it overflow what you haven't experienced yourself. So the key to partnering with God is to let him change you. Let God change you and then let God use you. And he uses us in a couple of ways, by playing our role on his team and by engaging in his plan to change the world. So this is where meaning in life is found. And there's all kinds of stuff going on in the world. And it, it's scary and hairy at times. But this is, this is where our purpose is in helping others come to know Christ and, and experience the love and the change that we've experienced. It's found in doing what God made you to do. So it's important to accept your role on God's team. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20 says this. This is a continuation of the passage that I was reading before where it said the old is gone or going and the new has come or is coming. It says all this is from God, this change, what he's done in Christ. It's all from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, uh, that, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men, men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So he's given us um, this ministry and message of reconciliation. And what God has done in Jesus Christ is... He has taken our debt, and he has paid it. So our, our debt is wiped out before him. And this word reconcile means sort of, it it's, means the same thing as when you reconcile a checking account in the old days, before computers, before Quicken, before um, ATM cards. 
we, I, you, you would have a check, checkbook and a check register, and you'd record all the deposits and all the checks that you wrote. Then once a month, you'd get a statement from the bank, and you'd compare what you had written down with the statement from the bank. I still do this through Quicken. Um, my kids, I'm not quite sure they do it. Tried to encourage them to you know, pay attention, but I'm not quite sure they do. But um, what you do is you make sure that the total you have in your books matches up with the total that the bank has. So you take all the credits and the debits and you make sure that they reconcile, that they match up. That's exactly what this word means, reconcile. It means to reconcile a relationship between two things. It's, what's happening is you're reconciling a relationship between two, two beings, between a person and God himself. And you're matching up the credits and the debits with what is owed. And so they're equal. And, and in Jesus Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself. This is the way he's changing it. This is the way he's fixing it. Because once you connect with Jesus, he makes all the difference. Life is going to be life. Life is not going to be easy. But with him, he uses the ups and downs to make it good. He, he gives us what we need to, to, to work through it. And once we connect with him, um, he gives us the ministry or the service of reconciliation. In other words, he wants us to help other people find out what it takes to reconcile to God. And he gives us the message of reconciliation that we're, we're to share. So that's what we're celebrating tonight. Tonight we have the Lord's Supper at 6 o'clock right here. And the Lord's Supper is a celebration of the fact that God has reconciled us to himself that he has brought us back together to him. And it's a remembrance of what Jesus has done on the cross to pay the price so that we can be reconciled to God. So we're celebrating that night to remember what Jesus has done. It's, it's a memorial. So God's given us this ministry. This is how he changes the world. We work with him to do the ministry and to share the message of reconciliation. In, in order to do that well, to play our role on God's team well, we need to make a shift from getting to giving. And I'm going to let you read uh, Luke 5 on your own about Matthew 5:27 through 30. But the shift happens in Matthew. And here's a guy who was a tax collector, and he, made his, he was a wealthy man who became wealthy basically by taking advantage of other people. This is, this is how he gathered his wealth. He made his money by cheating others out of theirs. And when he met Christ, he met Christ, he experienced his love, he connected with Christ and decided to follow him. He made a total shift in his priorities, and Jesus became the first most important priority in his life. And what he did, the first thing he did is he threw a banquet in honor of Jesus to make an investment in his friends, his circle of friends and family, he put on not just a banquet, a, bank, a great banquet. He, he didn't just throw some dogs on the grill and put some baked beans and, you know, on the stove. He, he threw a lavish banquet worthy of a king. And he invested in his friends and family, and he served them this way, introduced them to Christ so that they might be able to help uh, come to know him and begin to experience the love and change that he makes as well. So he made a shift from getting and squeezing everything out of others to giving. 
And that's what Jesus does. He, he turns our hearts inside out. That's what I've experienced. Boy, I want to just keep shrinking down and squeezing everything I can out of the other people. If I were left on my own, that's what I'd do. You wouldn't want to relate to me. But Jesus keeps turning my heart outward to give. Not to focus on getting, but to focus on giving and serving others. So we make that shift, and then we aim to show God's love to those around us. It's another thing, John 13, 34 through 35. New command I give you, love one another. As, as I have loved you, so you must also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is a mark. This is an identifying characteristic of people who follow Christ. They love with his kind of love, agape love. We've talked about it a couple times in this series, but agape love means that I'm going to do what's best for you regardless of how I feel. And if you consistently show this kind of love to the people around you, then a bridge is built and you can begin to tell them about God's love in Christ. People need more than just an explanation. They need a demonstration of this kind of love. And Jesus asks his followers to show this kind of love. A final way that we partner with God is engage in God's plan to change the world. We're the plan. (laughs) That's as simple as that. His followers, Jesus' followers, are God's plan for helping to change the world. Look at Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We, We become witnesses we give testimony and we tell others about Christ. That's, that's the first thing. There are two practical ways that we witness. We tell others and we bring others. First of all, we can give testimony to the changes, the, the good things that God's done in our life, the changes that he's making, the shift in perspective. And then we can learn to communicate the gospel clearly. Listen to Acts twenty twenty four. But my life was worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So this is Paul talking about his life purpose. It's really worth nothing unless I do what God's asked me to do. So we can tell others, and then we can bring others. And this is what Andrew did. I'll let you read the story of Andrew if you'd like this week on your own. But in John 1, Andrew brought Simon and introduced him to Christ. He brought him to a place where he'd hear about Christ. He could meet Christ. Philip brought Nathaniel. And this is something we can all do. We can all bring our friends and families to CIV to hear about Christ, how he works to change us. There's a bunch of effort that goes in to making Sunday a good experience for our guests. And this, in, in the services, we try to help people figure out how to connect with Christ and know him. We try to make sense of it all to those who are already following and to those who are investigating what it means. So if you find CIV Sundays to be helpful, bring your friends and family. It's a great way to pitch in to help change the world. That's what we're trying to partner with God here to help people come to know him. Our purpose in life, as you get into scripture, our purpose in life is to work together with God to help him as he changes the world. Your role in mind is to let God change us 
and then to let God use us in the lives of others as we serve, as we love, as we tell others about Christ and let them know who he is. I want to wrap up the message this morning by asking you to think through some next steps. What's your next step that you'd like to take? If you would, please take out the connection card that's in your program. There's some suggested next steps on the back of that connection card, and they're also at the bottom of the listening guide that's in your program as well. But if you would, take this time to complete any information that you still need to fill out or the next steps on your card, and then when the offering ushers come by, you can drop the card in the offering. But here are my suggestions for next steps. You have you may have others that come to mind, but first one, pray for an opportunity to tell others what Christ has done for me. That's a step you could take. I'm just going to pray for God to give me an opportunity to share the, the changes and the love that God has shown me. Another step would be to invest in my circle of friends and family and invite them to attend CIV with me. I'm going to make an investment. I'm going to show love. I'm going to serve. I'm going to shift from getting to giving and after and while I'm making the investment, I'm going to invite them to come hear about Christ, or I'm going to invite them somewhere that they can hear about Christ. And then finally, for the first time, I'm deciding to accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as my Lord. Maybe you've been investigating what it means to follow Christ, and you're now ready to take the step of committing your life to him and believing on him, putting him at the core of your life and allowing him to to lead you in all the areas of life. If you're ready to do that, let us know. We'd love to support you in that and pray with you as you begin your first steps of walking with him. Uh, if you're a first-time guest with us today, we're really glad that you've joined us. We have a gift for you. Actually, we have movie tickets for the first-time guests, and we have a book called The Case for Christ that answers some questions about what it means to follow Christ. But you can pick those up as you go through those double doors right to the left. There's a couple of boxes of, that look like they have popcorn in them. They don't, some candy bars, and right there are the tickets and, and the books. But we'd love for you to pick, pick each of those up as you walk out today. Would you pray with me as the band comes up? Father, we thank you for the truth in your word. Thank you for involving us in what you're doing. We are the plan, God. You're... you're we're the people that you want to use. Those of us who are following you, you want to use us to really be a blessing to those around us, to love people with the kind of love you've shown to us, and to tell them about Christ, to help others to uh, really know what it means to, to connect with you. God, help our lives to show your wisdom, not our own. Help our lives to show your love and your kindness as we set out to live in a way that brings honor and glory to you. Help us with this, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.